Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling, award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy, listeners around the globe, from coast to coast, from the Gulf to Canada. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Lots to cover with you today. It's just an incredible drumbeat of information out there. Last week, we talked about the history of Sino-Russian relations. This week, we're going to talk about the history of American-Chinese relations. You will find it amazing and surprising, and you'll see why we are at the point with China that we are now. And it's not a good point. And anytime there's a triangle of superpowers, in this case Russia and China and America, in other words, a bipolar-powered world, it is dangerous, as you will also see. We're going to talk about, and I promised last week, the similarities between, oh, 50 years ago or so, and right now, with inflation, stagflation, declining economic prospects. You know, they say history often repeats, and those who argue with that say, well, at least it rhymes. You'll see the rhyme. And then we're going to have rat-a-tat-tat. Okay, so to start off, as always, we're going to have our founder's quote, in this case, once again, from the mentor of the founders. God, he's, he's a wellspring of great quotes, isn't he, Thomas Paine? Arms discourage and keep the invader and plunderer in awe and preserve order in the world as well as property. Horrid mischief would ensue were the law-abiding deprived of the use of them. You know, that is applicable not only to our individual rights to keep and bear arms here in the United States, but it's also applicable to the strength of nations amongst one another, as you will see in the historical story. And along those historical storylines, and kind of in keeping with the theme of this show, Let me tell you a little ranch story. We're going to go back about 30 years. It might be 35 years. We had a neighbor. He was upstream from us on the river. And you know, water, uh, as they say, water is for fighting and whiskey is for drinking. And this neighbor professed to be our friend. And we got along great. And we helped each other with this, that, and the other. But I noticed a few years after we began to improve this particular ranch that the water supply to certain of the ditches seemed to be decreasing each year. And there was no drought. There was no dryness. There was no lack of moisture. And one day, on a whim, I kind of ambled my way upstream to the diversions that fed ditches that ran through both of the neighboring ranches. And I saw that, why don't we just say there was a lot more water being diverted than should have been diverted. And of course, that affects things downstream. We've talked about that on this show. Isn't that true of life? The moral of this story is, sometimes folks pretend to be your friends, and they really aren't. They're just kind of using you. And you'll see how that ties in to the historical story of American and Chinese relations. And one of the things I'm going to do today, I am going to play a clip. It is absolutely mind-boggling. I'm telling you that your eyes will pop. I got a lot of emails after last week's show. And a lot of people said, well, you know, I would love to hear this speech by the Chinese defense minister as to American-Chinese relations, China's plans, and China's aspirations to be the, not just one, but the global power. And I'm going to 
play for you today that clip of that show that we did in February of 2020 by popular demand. I mean, there was a lot of emails requesting it. And it's going to be some significant portions of that speech in 2005. Last week, I said 2004, excuse me. And I want you to listen to the words of the Chinese. This is right out of the horse's mouth, or should I say the dragon's mouth, very, very carefully. They are telling you what they are going to do, and they are doing it right in front of your eyes right now, every day in the news that, shall we say, real journalists bring to you. All right, let's talk about the history of American-Chinese relations. I'm going to dab just on the pre-1949 relations, and then I'm going to give you kind of a rat-a-tat-tat from the establishment of the People's Republic of China by Mao Zedong to now. So it might surprise you to know that America's founders saw China as a source of inspiration. They saw it as a harmonious society, officials chosen on merit, arts and philosophy. Benjamin Franklin venerated China's prison system its silk industry, how people heated their homes. Thomas Paine, right, our quote master, compared Confucius to Jesus Christ. James Madison and Thomas Jefferson admired China's ability to close itself out from the the outside world because they found virtue in isolation. However, one of the first Americans to visit China back then was distressed when he saw, quote, what appeared to be the corpses of mixed-blood babies floating down the Pearl River. Unquote. Keep that quote in mind as you listen to the speech of the Chinese defense minister to the high mucky mucks of the Chinese government and military here coming up in the show. The first vessel from the United States that traded to China was the Empress of China. That was in 1784. And by the way, China, even back then, made many merchants really, really, really rich. The East India Marine Society, Salem, Massachusetts, was like a cluster of wealthy merchants who had made all their money trading with China. The first American missionary, American missionaries were big stuff in China, was Elijah Coleman, 1801, and he arrived in 1830. He soon kind of transcended his small-town New England prejudices against the Chinese and Chinese quote-unquote religions, and he was kind of the, he paved the way for many missionaries over the next century who really instilled in China a sense of a organized education system and, of course, tried to spread their gospel, whatever it happened to be. Women missionaries played a very special role in China. They organized crusades against the customs over there of female infanticide, right? We just talked about that, and foot binding. And they helped overturn class conventions by showing how the poor could excel and expanding gender roles using, by the way, women's sports. The Boxer Rebellion, which we talked a little bit about last week in the context of Russia-China relations, was 1899 to 1901. And this was an uprising by the Boxers, a group of kind of strict Chinese nationalists, hated outside influence, hated outside religious influence, They burned Christian missions, thousands of converts were executed, and many American missionaries barely escaped with their lives. Once again, see The Sand Pebbles, Steve McQueen, great movie. Right then, right there, exactly what I'm talking about. So the boxers, these Chinese nationalists, they called themselves the Society of Right and Harmonious Fists. In June of 1900, the boxers actually ransacked the area around all the foreign legations in Peking. And that prompted the Western powers to form a coalition 
called the Eight-Nation Alliance. Austria, Hungary, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Russia, Britain, and the United States. And there was a first expedition called the Seymour Expedition, 2,000 troops, 116 Americans. They were repulsed by the boxers at the Battle of Lang Fang, and a much larger Allied force formed the Gasolie Expedition. It was successful, but only because there were internal rivalries in the Chinese boxer forces. This is where China began to build resentment against the West. Woodrow Wilson was a big fan of China, and he called them an amazing and inspiring vision and expanded Chinese-American quote-unquote relations, which were still tenuous and unofficial at the time. In 1842, there was a treaty called the Treaty of Nanking. It was at the end of the First Opium War in 1842, and this is when Chinese ports were forced to open to foreign trade. It also created lots of animosity and lots of competition amongst the Western powers, who each wanted their slice of the China pie. There was a second Opium War, there was actually military conflict between American troops and what was called the Qing forces, Emperor Qing. 1856, at the Battle of Barrier Forts. And this is the very first instance of military engagement between America and China. At about that time, some Americans were calling for America to annex Taiwan. Oh, here's Taiwan again, from China. But the idea won no support in the United States. It never happened. In fact, as an interesting sidelight, there was a shipwreck, the ship Rover, and the surviving American sailors were killed by Taiwanese aborigines. And American troops were actually sent to Taiwan. The initial expedition was defeated by the aborigines. And then the second expedition, more men, more power, although we lost some of our soldiers, won the conflict with the aborigines. And then we come in 1868, and for a number of years thereafter, all the way up to 1882, a growing perception in the United States that Chinese immigration, which had skyrocketed during the California gold rush and the building of the railroads, sometimes illegally and illicitly, and sometimes true immigration. But there was a sense in the United States that Chinese coolies, as they were called, were depressing wages and taking jobs that should be going to Americans. And the press, of course, beat that drum. So there was a large anti-China sentiment. On May 6, 1882, a former treaty called the Burlingame Treaty, which kind of started this process, became the Chinese Exclusion Act. And that act excluded all, I mean all, Chinese skilled and unskilled laborers from entering the United States for 10 years, with a penalty, by the way, of imprisonment and deportation. And the ban was renewed a number of times. In fact, it lasted in some way, shape, and form for 60 years, I mean, into the 1940s. It's kind of interesting to note that the American China Development Company, which was founded in 1895 by industrialists at that time, <laughs> elite globalists in these days, J.P. Morgan and Andrew Carnegie, they sought to put a bunch of American money and management into China, and of course grow rich doing so, and they wanted to promote a rapid industrialization of China. In fact, they began building the first real railroad in China, the Hankow Canton Railroad, which would link central and southern China, but they abandoned the efforts because they just couldn't get along with the Chinese and sold the enterprise to a Belgium firm. We talked last week about uh, the, the Russian-Japanese War, 1904, all fought on Chinese soil, and Japan became increasingly aggressive toward China. 
there's a long-standing enmity between Japan and China. And Japan actually they made a list of 21 demands. One of them, what was called the fifth tangent of the list, actually sought to make China a protectorate of Japan, with Japanese exerting total control over the Chinese economy and trade. That really went nowhere. And what it did was to begin to isolate Japan from all the other powers on the planet at that time. And it was one of the unknown kindlings of Japan's, shall we say, thrust into World War II. Pompeo, the Secretary of State, says, quote, engagement with China has failed. He delivers a speech, by the way, which was called Communist China and the Free World's Future. And he condemned the trade practices, the intellectual property theft, the human rights abuses. I mean, a litany of problems. And then, of course, we have the 2020 election, in which, shall we say, China played a role. And in his final weeks in office, Trump and his national security advisor, John Ratcliffe, called China, quote, the greatest threat to America today. In January, right before Biden took office, Trump designated China's abuses of the Uyghur Muslims as genocide. And by the way, you'll understand, you'll understand why this is being done when you listen to this speech. You talk about racist? Listen to this upcoming speech. So far, by the way, Biden has allowed most of the Trump policies to remain in place. But since he's put the United States in a pickle and we have to go begging around the world for help, some of these things might, to our extreme detriment, be relaxed tariffs, other sanctions. And very interestingly, in June of 2021, the U.S. urging it, for the very first time, NATO addresses China and calls China a security challenge. And in the release, in the communique, they focus on China's nuclear weapons development, which I told you about last last week, and quote, China's stated ambitions and assertive behavior present systemic challenges to the rules-based international order and to areas relevant to alliance security. Do you see how the sides are shaping up right now, folks? And over the last year, Biden has tried to get Xi to help with uh, Russia's war in Ukraine. <laughs> Actually, Xi is doing just the opposite. Russia is their ally. America is their enemy. And Biden has tried to say that we're reviving competition with China. But let's face it, folks. The Bidens are bought and paid for by China. This is all lipstick on a pig. I think you've heard that saying before. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story in China's own words, their speech. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. During these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my towels with proprietary technology, which makes them soft and absorbent. Towels that work, what a concept. They're made with USA cotton and come in a variety of awesome colors. My six-piece towel set is regularly $109.99, now just $39.99 with your promo code. Support Mike. Support America. Get great stuff. Use the promo code RIGHTSIDE, R-I-G-H-T-S-I-D-E, RIGHTSIDE, or call 800-892-1083, RIGHTSIDE. Do you own an annuity? 
either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800-914-1358-800-914-1358-800-914-1358. That's 800-914-1358. Hey listeners, this is Reed Lance Rosenthal, your host of On the Right Side Radio, and I have a message for you. Do you want a business? Sell a product? Provide a service? Have a message you want to get out? Do you believe in freedom, the Constitution, and America? Here's your opportunity to reach 69 million sets of ears in scores of markets around the country, including five of the top 10 and 15 of the top 50 markets in the United States of America. Very affordable, very flexible, 30 and 60 second packages available. Give your business a boost and help America get the truth. Call Francis at Media Airtime at 602-300-8250, 602-300-8250, or write Francis at MediaAirtime.com. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-S at MediaAirtime.com. Thank you. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Now, I want you to listen really carefully because this is the rest of the story. Okay, all this history stuff is great. It gives you background. It gives you foundation. It tells you how things have evolved between the countries and what's happening now. But I want you to listen from the words of the top military guy in China. This speech has been given three times by three defense ministers of China. There's been very little variation in it. It is their mantra. It is their Mein Kampf. So here we go. The rest and the real Chinese story. What I'm going to read you, or I'm going to read portions of to you, is a speech that was delivered in December 2005 by Comrade Chi Heoshin. That's H-A-O-T-I-A-N. He is the vice chairman of China's military commission to top officers and generals. That's his official title. All right. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I'm going to read you some very salient parts. Quote, comrades, remember, he is addressing on behalf of the Red Chinese Party, the Politburo, the generals of the Red Chinese Army. Comrades, I'm very excited today because the large-scale online survey, Sina.com, showed that our next generation is quite promising and our party's cause will be carried on. In answering the question, quote, Will you shoot at women, children, and prisoners of war, unquote, more than 80% of the respondents answered in the affirmative, exceeding by far our expectations. Today, I'd like to focus on why we asked Cena.com to conduct this online survey among our people. My speech today is a sequel to my speech last time, during which I started with a discussion of the issue of the three islands, Taiwan, Daiwu, and the Spratly Islands. This is the South China Sea, folks. You know what's going on in the South China Sea now, right? 
and mentioned that 20 years of the idyllic theme of peace and development had come to an end, and concluded that modernization under the saber is the only option for China's next phase. I also mentioned we have a vital stake overseas. The central issue of the survey appears to be whether one should shoot at women, children, and prisoners of war, but its real significance goes far beyond that. Ostensibly, our intention is to mainly figure out what the Chinese people's attitude toward war is. If these future soldiers do not hesitate to kill even non-combatants, they'll naturally be doubly ready and ruthless in killing combatants. Therefore, the responses to the survey questions may reflect the general attitude people have towards war. We wanted to know if China's global development will necessitate massive deaths in enemy countries, will our people endorse that scenario? Will they be for or against it? The fact is, our development refers to the great revitalization of the Chinese nation, which of course is not limited to the land we have now, but also includes the whole world. Folks, I'm, I'm reading his actual word. Let me continue. As everybody knows, according to the views propagated by the Western scholars, humanity as a whole originated from one single mother in Africa. Therefore, no race can claim racial superiority. However, according to the research conducted by most Chinese scholars, the Chinese are different from other races on earth. We did not originate in Africa. Instead, we originated independently in the land of China. Therefore, we can rightfully assert we are the product of cultural roots of more than a million years, civilization and progress of more than 10,000 years, an ancient nation of 5,000 years, and a single Chinese entity of 2,000 years. This is the Chinese nation that calls itself descendants of Yan and Huang. During our long history, our people have disseminated throughout the Americas and the regions along the Pacific Rim, and they became, listen to this folks, the Indians in the Americas and the East Asian ethnic groups in the South Pacific. Do you see the foundation he's laying here? We are all Chinese. <laughs> he's laying the foundation of a predicate to take lands from other countries because the inhabitants of those countries are in some way, shape, or form from China, even if, you know, 30,000 years ago. Let me continue. We all know that on account of our national superiority during the thriving and prosperous Tang Dynasty, our civilization was at the peak of the world. We were the center of world civilization and no other civilization of the world was comparable to ours. Later on, because of our complacency, narrow-mindedness, and the self-enclosure of our own country, we were surpassed by Western civilization and the center of the world shifted to the West. In reviewing history, one may ask, will the center of world civilization shift back to China? Actually, Comrade Li Hunggang made similar points in the 1980s. Based on historical analysis, he pointed out that the center of world civilization is shifting. It shifted from east to western Europe and later to the United States. Now it is shifting back to the east. Therefore, if we refer to the 19th century as the British century and the 20th century as the American century, then the 21st century will be the Chinese century. By the way, there's a note here in the speech. Wild applause fills the auditorium. Remember, this is the generals and admirals and top brass of the Red Chinese Army. Let me continue. Our Chinese people are wiser than the Germans because fundamentally our race is superior to theirs. As a result, we have a long history, more people in larger land areas. 
On this basis, our ancestors left us with the two most essential heritages, which are atheism and great unity. It was Confucius, the founder of our Chinese culture, who gave us these heritages. These two heritages determine that we have a stronger ability to survive than the West. That is why the Chinese race has been able to prosper for so long. We are destined not to be buried by either heaven or earth, no matter how severe the natural, man-made, and national disasters. This is our advantage. Take a response to war as an example. The reason that the United States remains today is that it has never seen war on its mainland. Once its enemies aim at the mainland, the enemies would already have reached Washington before its Congress finishes debating and authorizes the president to declare war. But for us, we don't waste time on, on those trivial things. Maybe you have now come to understand why we recently decided to further promulgate atheism. If we let theology from the West into China and empty us from the inside, if we let all Chinese people listen to God and follow God, who will, who will obediently listen to us and follow us? I'm going to stop for a moment. Do you understand, folks? This is the alt-left happens to be in China talking, and it happens to be shadowed by Chinese national interests. But do you understand, does this help you understand why the alt-left in the United States and anywhere else throughout the world being enunciated in the speech by a Chinese alt-lefty. Why they have a war against faith? Because th to them, government is God. The party is God. Okay, let me continue. If the common people don't believe Comrade Hu Jintao is a qualified leader, begin to question his authority and want to monitor him. If the religious followers in our society questions why we are leading God in churches, can our party continue to rule China? Folks, do you understand why there's a million Muslims being shipped off to concentration camps? Why Christians are being shipped off to gulags? Why this coronavirus is being used as a mask to get rid of political and religious enemies in China? You get, you, are you kind of getting the picture? By the way, relay that to the United States and what these left loons talk about. The first pressing issue, I'm continuing with this speech. Listen very carefully to this next section. Very carefully. The first pressing issue facing us is living space. This is the biggest focus of the revitalization of the Chinese race. In my last speech, I said that the fight over basic living resources, including land and ocean, is the source of the vast majority of wars in history. This may change in the information age, but not fundamentally. Our per capita resources are much less than those of Germany's back then. In addition, economic development in the last 20 plus years had a negative impact and climates are rapidly changing for the worse. Our resources are in very short supply. The environment is severely polluted, especially that of soil, water, and air. Not only our ability to sustain and develop our race, but even its survival is gravely threatened to a degree much greater than faced Germany back then. Of course, he's talking about Nazi Germany, folks. Anybody who has been to Western countries knows that their living space is much better than ours. They have forests along the highways, while we hardly have any trees on our streets. Their sky is often blue with white clouds, while our sky is covered with a layer of dark haze. Their tap water is clean enough for drinking, while even our groundwater is so polluted it cannot be drunk without filtering. They have few people in the streets, and two or three people can occupy a small residential building. In contrast, our streets are always crawling with people, and several people have to share one room. Many years ago, there was a book titled Yellow Catastrophes. It said that due to our following the American style of consumption, our limited resources would no longer support the population and society would collapse once our population reaches 1.3 billion. 
Now our population has already exceeded this limit, and we are now relying on imports to sustain our nation. It's not that we haven't paid attention to this issue. The Ministry of Land Resources is specialized in this issue. Let me stop for a moment. Do you remember 20 years ago, shortly after this guy delivered the speech, actually 14 years ago, shortly after this guy delivered the speech, China implemented this policy of limiting the number of children you could have, limiting the number of female children you could have, which is now a huge problem for them. That was to control population. It all ties in with what you're listening. This really highly placed mucky muck in the party tell all the really highly placed brass in its military. Let me go back to what he's, what he's saying, because it gets worse, if you can believe it. You just hold on to your hat here for the rest of this. But we must understand that the term living space, or as the Germans said, Lebensraum, is too closely related to Nazi Germany. The reason we don't want to discuss this too openly is to avoid the West's association of us with Nazi Germany, which could in turn reinforce the view that China is a threat. Therefore, in our emphasis on he ins I probably pronounced that wrong, new theory, quote, human rights are just living rights, unquote, we talk about living but not space so as to avoid the term living space. By the way, let me stop for a moment. I have often talked about how words create messages, and messages create thoughts, and thoughts create perceptions, and perceptions trigger emotions and create actions. This is the alt-left in action, right here, in this speech, in communist China, folks. Playing with words to create an illusion of complacency and peace, when actually the motive is quite different, as you're about to find out. From the perspective of history, the reason that China is faced with the issue of living space is that Western countries have developed ahead of Eastern countries. Western countries establish colonies all around the world, therefore giving themselves an advantage on the issue of living space. To solve this problem, we must lead the Chinese people out of China so that they can develop outside of China. Would the United States allow us to go gain new living space? First, if the United States is firm in blocking us, it is hard for us to do anything significant to Taiwan and some other countries. Second, even if we could snatch some land from Taiwan, Vietnam, India, or even Japan, how much more living space can we get? Very trivial. Only countries like the United States, Canada, and Australia have the vast land to serve our needs for mass colonization. Therefore, solving the issue of America is the key to solving all other issues. Folks, do I have your attention yet? Let me continue. First, this makes it possible for us to have many people migrate there and even establish another China under the same leadership of the CCP, which is the Chinese Communist Party. America was originally discovered by the ancestors of the yellow race. Here goes that predicate again. But Columbus gave credit to the white race. We, the descendants of the Chinese nation, are entitled. By the way, that was in caps. The word entitled was in caps in the text of this speech, to the possession of the land. It is historical destiny that China and the United States will come into unavoidable confrontation on a narrow path and fight. In the long run, the relationship between China and the United States is a life and death struggle. Of course, right now is not the time to openly break up with them yet. Our reform and opening to the outside world will still rely on their capital and technology. We still need America. Therefore, we must do everything we can to promote our relationship with America, learn from America in all aspects, and use America as an example to reconstruct our country. Only by using special means to clean up America will we be able to lead 
the Chinese people there. Only by using non-destructive weapons that kill many people will we be able to reserve America for ourselves. Folks, I'm going to repeat that for you. Only by using non-destructive weapons that kill many people will we be able to reserve America for ourselves. And this, I think, will be very interesting for you given the coronavirus. There have been rapid development of modern biological technology, and new bioweapons have been invented one after another. Of course, we have not been idle. In the past years, we have seized the opportunity to master weapons of this kind. We are capable of achieving our purpose of cleaning up America all of a sudden. When Comrade Yuping, and I probably pronounced that wrong, was still with us, the party central com- committee had the perspicacity to make the right decision not to develop aircraft carrier groups and focus instead on developing lethal weapons that can eliminate mass populations of the enemy country. And when we come back, let's continue with this chilling diatribe from Russia's head defense minister. If you're taking a calcium supplement, it's probably not doing what you think it is. That's because you still lose bone density with traditional calcium supplements. That's where calcium from algae comes in. Algae Cal Plus doesn't just stop bone loss. It's the only supplement ever shown to increase bone density in clinical studies. That's right. Algae Cal Plus increases bone density, even if you're in your 80s. That's because your bones need more than just calcium and vitamin D to stay strong. There are actually 13 minerals and 3 vitamins needed to build healthy new bones. And Algae Cal Plus contains all of them, and it's proudly made in the USA. Your calcium doesn't increase bone density. Algae Cal Plus does. Talk to one of our bone health consultants today and see how Algae Cal Plus can start increasing your bone density. Call now. 800-378-3719. The number one national Amazon and Barnes & Noble best-selling Threads West, an American saga series, recipient of 37 national awards by rancher Reed Lance Rosenthal, is Our American Story and is part of the inspiration for the 1883 miniseries. Beginning in May 1854 and set in the West, Threads West is the multi-generational, multicultural weave of the American tapestry of Europeans, Americans, the Ute, the Sioux, pre-Civil War slaves, and Spanish vaqueros, characters you will both love to hate and simply love. Eve Paluton, two-time number one national best-selling Writer's Digest author shouts, surpasses Lonesome Dove, more authentic than Dances with Wolves, five stars is not enough. Max McCoy, author of the Indiana Jones novels and screenwriter for Spielberg's Into the West, proclaims epic storytelling, detail, and dialogue, rascals, passions, action, real. The Threads West epic saga is called The Gone with the Wind of the West, and this sackets on steroids. Get it now, Kindle, Nook, Audible, bookstores everywhere, or through the publisher, ThreadsWestSeries.com. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-611-7121. 800-611-7121. That's 800-611-7121. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. I support this show, and I would like to offer you our biggest discounts for listening. So please go to our website, MyPillow.com, and put in the promo code at the end of this message to get the biggest discounts. Again, thanks for listening, and God bless. 
Use the promo code RIGHTSIDE, R-I-G-H-T-S-I-D-E, RIGHTSIDE, or call 800-892-1083, RIGHTSIDE. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Let's continue. Biological weapons are unprecedented in their ruthlessness. But if the Americans do not die, then the Chinese have to die. If the Chinese people are strapped to the present land, total societal collapse is bound to take place. According to the computations of the author of Yellow Peril, more than half of the Chinese will die, and that figure would be more than 800 million people. Just after the liberation, that's when the Chinese party came to power, you know, Mao Tse-sung. Just after the liberation, our yellow land supported nearly 500 million people, while today the official figure of the population is more than 1.3 billion. This yellow land has reached the limit of its capacity. One day, who knows how soon it will come, the great collapse will occur any time, and more than half of the population will have to go. It is indeed brutal to kill one or two hundred million Americans. Let me repeat that for you, folks. It is indeed brutal to kill one or two hundred million Americans. But that is the only path that will secure a Chinese century, a century in which the CCP leads the world. We, as revolutionary humanitarians, do not want deaths. But if history confronts us with a choice between deaths of Chinese and those of Americans, we'd have to pick the latter. As for us, it is more important to safeguard the lives of the Chinese people and the life of our party. The last problem I want to talk about is firmly seizing the preparations for military battle. The Central Committee believes as long as we resolve the United States problem at one blow, our domestic problems will all be readily solved. I'm going to pause here for a moment while what I just read to you soaks in. And the Democrats in this country tell us that Russia is our problem and come up with political antics for their own personal power, control, and wealth that prevents us from allying with Russia against China. In fact, quite the opposite. At a critical time in history, given this, folks, this is China's Mein Kampf. This is China's dreams from my father. When somebody writes and speaks these types of words, when the Ayatollahs shout death to America, when Hitler says he is going to conquer the world and kill everybody who is non-Aryan, when Castro and Che Guevara write their thesis of Cuba, when Barry Obama writes dreams from my father talking about the fundamental transformation of the United States and Marxist Islamist ideology. Can you think of any one of those cases, and I could name you a thousand more, where if you read that book and you ignored it, you did so at your peril because those folks told you how they think. They told you what they're going to do. And what I just read to you is, even though it was never supposed to leak, and by the way, it's one of many presentations by party hierarchy to their military and to certain types of people and certain agencies of the government over there. You ignore those words at your peril. Our government ignores it to the peril of the country. Our military ignores it to the possibility of their defeat. Did you catch that one phrase? We're, we're, we don't build aircraft carriers. We're, we're focused on like one and done. We don't care about launching some planes and bombing some buildings. We just, you know, one or 200 million Americans so that America 
is ready for Chinese colonization, and Australia, and of course, Canada. And where are the Chinese most active? Where do they have the most infiltration? Gee, Australia, Canada, and America. Imagine that. You think that's a coincidence after listening to what I just read you? From the dragon's mouth? Not from the horse's mouth. From the dragon's mouth. Remember my little rant story at the beginning of this show? Somebody you think is a friend is really your foe? Well, there you go, folks. Okay, let's talk about rat-a-tat-tat, shall we? I got some interesting and divergent rat-a-tat-tats for you. You know, Texas has been shipping illegal aliens to Washington, D.C. in buses. I'm sure you've heard about that. Good for them. And guess what? Those big proponents of immigration in Washington, D.C., like, you know, Mayor Muriel Bowser. Ah, what a winner. She's decided she doesn't like having those people come into her city. Huh. You know, she just didn't think, like everybody else back there, that since D.C. isn't along the southern border that they were going to be impacted by this, the immediate repercussion of illegal immigration. But over the last weekend, Mayor Muriel Bowser of Washington, D.C., she started jumping up and down, and she wants the Biden regime to stop Governor Abbott from busing in immigrants into her city. Hmm. She wants them to keep them in Republican states. That way they can get more votes, too, which ties into another rat-a-tat-tat. Did you know that there are certain rhino Republican senators who sold us down the river on the Second Amendment bills, who are also now backing some kind of change in the Electoral College law. The Electoral College Count Act is what it officially is. And this is being spurred by an activist group called Protect Democracy. Oh boy, the left is good at those warm, fuzzy, totally opposite of the real meaning words, aren't they? By the way, they happen to be financed partially by Soros. Oh, what could go wrong? Susan Collins, Mitch McConnell, Tom Tillis are just three of the rhinos. And uh, let me tell you what Project Democracy says. The Electoral Count Act, ECA, governs the process of casting and counting electoral college votes for president and vice president. The statute sets a timeline for states to appoint presidential electors in November and for electors to cast their vote in December and describes the process that Congress should follow, etc., etc., As the nation learned in January 2021, the statute is badly in need of an update. It includes antiquated and ambiguous language and fails to offer clear guidance on key aspects of the process of counting electoral votes and resolving related disputes. Weaknesses that render the statute open to misunderstanding or exploitation, you know, the J6 committee, Trump, you know how it all ties in, folks, and risk the peaceful transitions of power that have been a hallmark of our democracy. Actually, we're a representative republic, but you know, who's quibbling here? This is the camel's nose under the tent, folks. What the Democrats really want to do, this is just the opening savile, kind of like what they do on gun control, kind of like what they do on immigration, okay? The nudge factor, nudge it along and then pounce. It's exactly, by the way, what China does, as we found out in our historical story and what they're doing today. So this is the camel's nose under the tent. What they really want to do is abolish the electoral system, which of course ties into 2 million illegal aliens coming across our border every year, changing demographics and electoral processes, and also weighs power to the big cities who have more people than all the rural areas. Do you see what's going on here? Our next rat-a-tat-tat, right in line with the first two, this is corruption. You know, unfortunately, there are wide swaths of our government which 
are totally corrupt. It starts with Biden, China, etc. But then we have Nancy Pelosi, who somehow has managed to make $30 million while she's been in Congress. Hmm, how do you do that on a $150,000 to $175,000 a year salary? Well, you know how you do it? Your husband goes out and buys stock because you give him insider trading tips on what kind of bills are going to be passed. Let me give you the most recent example just in the last week. It seems that just before the Senate was expected to meet last week on a $52 billion bill to boost semiconductor manufacturing, it just so happens the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi bought about $5 million worth of stock in chipmaker NVIDIA, NVDA, if you want to look it up. The trades weren't made by Nancy herself, of course. They were made by husband Paul, I guess in between his defense of his DUI. And he's a real estate and venture capital investor. By the way, he owns a lot of buildings and rents them to the federal government. Hmm, imagine that. By the way, this is all done under the Stock Act of 2012. That requires after-the-fact investing disclosures from members of Congress or their families. But it doesn't prevent politicians from trading off the non-public information to begin with. Think about that. Now, since all this has happened, you know, there's been talk of limiting or banning members of Congress from actively trading. But somehow that agenda has fizzled out now. Hmm. As you might imagine, not everyone in Congress is a supporter of that. Oh, COVID, upcoming elections, lockdowns, you know, a return to the, uh, shall we say, the the pot stirring of election fraud and interference. You know, who director, ah, yeah, in China's pocket, Tedros, right? He has a new message for governments around the world. We ought to bring back mandatory coronavirus rules to fight this increasing trend of deaths. There is no increasing trend of deaths. This is nonsense. And his plea has been everybody should mask up and people should start thinking about lockdowns. In fact, the United Kingdom, you know, the left-wing health care folks over there, have said new lockdowns may be warranted if rising cases begin to overwhelm the healthcare system. What do you think about some preventative stuff, folks? You know, like early treatment, which you poo-poo. And this new variant, which you've heard about on the press and which I get emails on from these left-wing groups, this is really bad, folks. I mean, you didn't die from the first rounds of COVID, but you're going to die from this. Or maybe you're not, but a lot of people are going to get it because BA.2.75, the variant and his nickname, the Centaurus, oh yes, was first discovered in India in May, but now the variant is able to spread rapidly, according to scientists. And it's getting around immunity from the so-called vaccines, which aren't. Oh, gee, what's amazing. So, the WHO has now outlined several, quote, interlinked challenges facing the global response to coronavirus, saying the pandemic is not over. Well, actually, Folks, by the scientific definition, we never had a pandemic, but, you know, who's going to quibble here? So be expecting some fun and games here. It's already starting. The drums are beating on, you know, some type of impact or attempted impact on the upcoming November elections where the globalists and the Democrats are terrified of losing power in the House and the Senate. Remember what China said, folks. America is the problem. Take care of America and everything else falls into place. Oh, you'll love this. Remember the 2008 disaster in housing? And it was caused by subprime mortgages, you know, no qualifications. People couldn't pay the mortgages. 
all this bad stuff happened and they lost their houses and there were foreclosures and banks went under and Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae went under. Guess what? Freddie Mac is now going to allow your rent payments. I'm not making this up. If you've made them on time, that will help you qualify for a new mortgage loan, even if you don't have the income and you don't have sufficient credit for that home loan. Ah, what could go wrong with this? And by the way, despite all the hoopla and BS from the government, uh, we are in a recession. You'll start hearing from economists here over the next 60 days with other people arguing, oh, you're reading the numbers wrong or whatever. Two quarters of declining GDP is the official designation of a recession. In the first quarter, as I reported to you, GDP declined by 1.6%. Okay, That was a 8.5% decline than the fourth quarter growth of 2021. By the way, that's a pretty big drop, 10% in an economy. And the second quarter, which just ended, oh, the reports are out. It declined again, this time by 1.9%, an accelerating decline. And that's from the Atlanta branch of the Federal Reserve. So, welcome to recession, folks. Remember my discussion with you today on we're back to the 70s, put on your bell bottoms. And finally, and this is right in keeping with this subterfuge on COVID, which they're trying to incredibly revive. The little rat-a-tat-tat I brought you on, on the who. Yeah, China's who. Here's the headline. U.S. public health agencies aren't following the science, officials say. And you know who the officials are? They're people at the CDC and the NIH. Okay, Doctors and scientists at the top levels, NIH, FDA, CDC, they are starting to whistleblow. They are frustrated. They are exasperated. They are fully alarmed about the direction those agencies, to which they've devoted their careers, by the way, these are good guys, are going in following political rather than scientific and health agendas. Gee, who would have thought? And we're out of time. Boy, pile of stuff, this show. And a pile of stuff coming at you next week, I might add. But I want you to look in the mirror and repeat with your family or repeat to yourself and with conviction, I will muster, I will stand, I will not comply, I will never give in, I will never stop fighting, I will join with those in these United States and across the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side. If you're taking a calcium supplement, it's probably not doing what you think it is. That's because you still lose bone density with traditional calcium supplements. That's where calcium from algae comes in. Algae Cal Plus doesn't just stop bone loss. It's the only supplement ever shown to increase bone density in clinical studies. That's right. Algae Cal Plus increases bone density, even if you're in your 80s. That's because your bones need more than just calcium and vitamin D to stay strong. There are actually 13 minerals and 3 vitamins needed to build healthy new bone. And Algae Cal Plus contains all of them, and it's proudly made in the 
USA. Your calcium doesn't increase bone density. Algae Cal Plus does. Talk to one of our bone health consultants today and see how Algae Cal Plus can start increasing your bone density. Call now. 800-378-3719. 800-378-3719. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-611-7121. That's 800-611-7121. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe $25,000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need $25,000, $50,000, or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. 800-601-6995. That's 800-601-6995. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800 304-5791. 800-304-5791. 800-304-5791. That's 800-304-5791. 